Hello there, Vlad here. Welcome to Cat Big Fridays, Season 2, Episode 1. I need to remember to say that now. I think it makes uh, 24th episode, 25th, I don't know, something like that in a row. Well done, us. We did skip a bit. Hey, Rich, by the way. <laughs> Rich is here again. Hey. Yeah, back, made it back to the second season, which is Yay. a major success for me. This is I my grab with Netflix. Yeah, that's one of my like grabs with Netflix nowadays. Like you find a great series, you're excited, and then you never hear from season two. But now the Cat Pick Fridays. That's it. <laughs> yeah, it's two. going on forever. As long as we're both alive, <laughs> maybe. Well, that who does something if we if we manage to do this for a year, that'd be something already. So, yeah, we're halfway there. So we just need two seasons, and then it's done. That's true. That's true. How's your summer been? So far, so good. I've had just over a week off, which has been very, very nice indeed. Obviously, you guys watching this will know that we created a series of hugely entertaining summer shows while we weren't actually there, which we recorded with our good friend, Eirik. But yeah, I was away recharging my batteries a little bit, taking some time off, doing some family stuff, relaxing by a rather large lake on the German-Swiss-Austrian border, and it was a lot of fun. And nice. I didn't touch a guitar for over a week, and that's always really weird, but then you come back and it feels different. But I always get like an extra boost of creativity after I do that. So, yeah, nice. Good to be back. That's a good point, actually. Like some, I actually took four weeks off, which is um, an achievement in itself. And I... Like yeah, that's a long time. I've not had four weeks off since I was a school kid. Wow. I don't think. Yeah, Except see, once I grew when up I was unemployed. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, I grew up in a two teacher family, and in Finland, it's like from uh, early days of June to early days of August, like good two months. So I'm kind of used to this schedule. My wife's a teacher as well. So, like, I've never kind of. I, like I've always been like that's been my schedule the whole year like summers off though nowadays I have kind of gotten used to the fact that my wife's off already and I still have to work for a few more weeks but yeah, four weeks were great we were, went home that much and that was amazing because it was way more difficult for me to like even think about any work stuff because I work from home, so like I can walk into my office anytime. And I think my wife said a couple of times, like I would just wander in this office, like looking like uh, I have something to do here, but didn't really do anything. Then just come back in two minutes. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, as you mentioned, like having this much time off, like I came up with so many ideas. Uh, I have planned like a whole new video series, for example, and have like eight or nine episodes ready, like planned for that in my head at least, or as an idea already. And I also planned a new course I'm going to <laughs> create during this fall. And like, yeah, as soon as you give me time to think, I actually come up with some decent ideas. So that was great. And that sounds we, really as I mentioned, we went. Yeah, we went home that much, and that was good. Uh, actually, did like a cool week-long trip around Finland as well, which was nice. I've never like traveled through Finland. I've lived here uh, for most of my life, and yeah, just never like properly took 
time to like see places here. It was awesome. And yeah, back to work now and actually feeling pretty good about it. So that's cool. And I yeah, that's great. haven't haven't played guitar for four weeks. Wow. <laughs> so with the next Which time actually, you plug in is gonna be interesting. Well, actually, that happened. Wait, today is Thursday. That happened on Tuesday, I think. I went to my friend's place. Oh, like, uh, we actually met at a, at a local guitar store. I tried out some bass guitars because I'm shopping for a new bass and actually bought a new bass. It will be on its way in the near future. But uh, then he invited me to his place. He has a bunch of cool guitars and everything to check out. So uh, he described my playing as. Uh, Vlad went uh, like he witnessed like within 30 minutes of me like just sitting and playing guitars how like I improved like five years in a guitar journey so like I started like <laughs> being able to play a few chords and as I get got more and more warmed up like I had get, got like five years of guitar practice in progress <laughs> in 30 <laughs> minutes which I agreed to like the first chords felt awkward like really really awkward but, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like when I, when I pick the guitar up again after not playing it for long, <coughs> I just I make new chords. It's like my fingers go into different <laughs> positions that they never went into before, and sometimes it sounds great, and sometimes it sounds, let's call it experimental in terms of the music that I'm making. But it's always fun. I always really like to do that. So I guess I'd recommend it to people if you're thinking about taking a holiday, taking a break. Don't take a guitar with you, and you'll come back and you'll. You'll approach the instrument differently. Let's put it that way. Yeah, definitely. I think you you, you need to write like an experimental jazz album. Like take four weeks off, come back right into a recording session without without like any warm ups. That's how you write jazz, I think. Probably, <laughs> Mo most likely. Uh, <laughs> To everyone watching and listening, uh, this show is available both on YouTube and Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I think you can listen to the show through the Podbean app as well. And yeah, what we want to do here today is just to go through a bunch of gear news. And I gotta say, it's either me not following the like gear stuff during my previous summer breaks, all this was like an exceptionally active summer because it felt like a bunch of cool things were announced and released. And yeah, there's actually a lot to talk about. So that's really, really cool. Should we just dive into the news? Or I think we sorry, should just get straight into it. Things that happened my in the not too different, distant past. I wish I there was a title name for that. For that. Yeah. yeah, that's a pretty cool title. Maybe we can show it on it just a little bit. Mm -hmm. All right, enough with the jokes. Let's jump to recent happenings. All right, bunch of recent stuff happened. Uh, let's start with this one. Fender released the Paranormal series. Let's have photos as well. And I didn't realize that the Paranormal series used to be, I guess, like a limited run. This weird, uh, I don't know, weird is the way I would describe them. They're a little I bit would describe them wonky. as weird. They're definitely different. 
I mean, there are some sort yeah. of fairly standard models in the paranormal range, but most of them are just, I think, a really good opportunity for Squire to take their existing designs and push things together and bring back older models and make cool finishes yeah. and put different specs in. And they're just a really, really cool range. And yeah, the original paranormal run was, I don't think it was officially a limited edition at the time, but I think they didn't make that many. I assume it wasn't a massive seller because as you yeah. guys can see on the screen, a lot of these guitars are very different from your standard Stratocasters and Tele designs. You know, we've got guitars like the Toronado, we've got Cabernita Tellies, we've got Supersonics, weird offset designs in a bunch of colors, which are kind of, you'll either love them or you'll hate them, I think. And so I yeah. don't think the Paranormal range sold particularly well at the time. I personally don't know anyone who owns one. I never saw one in the shop or anything like that. But True. they were then discontinued. And since then, they've started to command extremely high second-hand prices, presumably because they are actually pretty limited. And some, mm. specifically like the, the baritone models, for example, the baritone oh. tele models, now sell for ridiculous prices online. I think originally they used to cost like $300, 300 euros, 400 maybe, and they would be going for over 1000 some of them. Whoa, which is that's a lot crazy but yeah as the title of this article that we're looking at says the the time of the scalpers is at an end because now everyone <laughs> is going to be able to buy new guitars from the shops for about i think about 400 these things are going to cost man i i actually didn't realize the uh carbonita was a baritone because uh one of the guitars i kind of well I want to have like a baritone telly, but a baritone with P90s in a telly shape. Nice, 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 nice. I didn't know it I wanted lovely, one it? of these, but but now I do. Like, it looks beautiful. Very simple, like two volumes, P90, like a fixed, not a telly bridge, but like kind of fixed strat style bridge, maybe. Even, yep. and yeah. I like yeah, it. And it's, it's simple, that, um, looks cool. Yeah, the Cabernita sort of rock and roll style. And for me, this is also the most interesting guitar because I've also been looking for a baritone for some time, mm. an affordable thing. And I don't want something metally. I don't want a really pointy thing. We've discussed the Harley Benton Amarok quite a lot. And I've seen True. a few secondhand guitars on the market over here. They They don't tend to sell that much. But the prices are crazy. And I saw, for example, recently the Fender Modern Player telecaster baritone on sale in germany for about a thousand euros and they cost Whoa. about 450 when they came out about five or six years ago <laughs> so it's just it has been really difficult to get them and now we're going to get the chance to try these ones out and the specs look great you know a lot of yeah. the new squires these days have things like a bone nut on the neck as well so really really good the one thing that i don't like about them again is the fact that we're not going to be seeing rosewood or ebony fingerboards we're going to be seeing laurel fingerboards and oh personal taste i just prefer rosewood or ebony mm. yeah some of these look a bit funky to me like uh the paranormal range supersonic shell pink it's like a reverse jazz master body with like an angle bridge humbucker and a neck humbucker like these are definitely a bit more well weird 
and I guess that's what they're going for. But then again, like, uh, it's paranormal. Actually, it is. that is true. You know, if they <laughs> if they'd called it the Fender Squire Weird Range, I think probably not as many people would have bought them as if they were called. Yeah, paranormal. it's not that's as possibly cool. something to do with it. But yeah, but the, yeah this Tornado the, thing looks great, actually. Like really yeah, good. Another super cool offset in. It's like yeah. a Jazzmaster-shaped body, maybe a bit more kind of stubby and fat and rounded, but with two humbuckers. And again, that's a fixed bridge. It looks like a bridge that you'd see on the Dan Electro yeah. style of guitars. Two volume, two tone controls. Nice. Yeah. Classic sunburst finish or that beautiful, what is that green color? Mystic Seafoam uh, Green, which is a beautiful Mystic Seafoam. <laughs> mystic Seafoam Green. And yeah, I love yeah. some of the Actually, other sparkly finishes like on the... The supersonic there. There's a blue sparkle, which is absolutely lovely. Hmm. Yeah, I actually really like this pink. Uh, like again, like reverse. No, not a reverse. Like a jazzmaster shape, but with like a telly setup. Yeah, and, it's like, halfway between. As well. Yeah. What do they call that model? Is that the? Uh, is that a tornado as well? It's oh, no, they just call an it the offset, offset telly. telly. Yeah. So there you go. I, I mean, guess I've it's seen... an offset telly. Yeah, I, that's exactly what it is. I mean, you've got the the offset body shape, but with the tele pickups and bridge. I remember that Fender themselves have done some offset guitars mm. in their parallel universe range, I think it's called, and they cost like two and a half thousand, three thousand euros or dollars. So super high mm. end stuff. And now everyone is going to be in reach of trying these really interesting instruments out. Again, I can't wait to get down to a shop and try some of these ones. But that baritone yeah. Cabernet Tatelli is right at the top of my list. I think in seafoam green. Name. Sorry, surf yeah. green. It's not seafoam green. Yeah. Seafoam. Well, like, I'm trying to say, like, okay, there is a little bit of difference, like in the myst mystic seafoam and then the surf green. Yeah, I think I, I, Anderson's already had a video out about these, and they sounded great. Like, especially the baritone is pretty damn impressive. I'm excited. That looks like a great, great, like lineup and interesting. I guess this was like a Summerham release. Based on all the pictures I've seen, Summerham was kind of sad. <laughs> but I think it in happened. a way it was sad, but at least it happened. Yeah, it was the first event since the whole COVID yeah. thing happened, and that's possibly also why we've seen so many different gear announcements over the past yeah. three or four weeks because that's the first event where people have been able to actually announce stuff and show it off in person i'm really yeah. excited about these squires squire and epiphone the budget brands at the moment they're killing it you know oh, bringing yeah. out some Absolutely. great models as i believe yeah, we're, we're going to actually... talk about more in the show yeah exactly i was just about to say we're going to talk about the epiphones uh, but before that, let's jump to the next one, which is the Harley-Benton DC-60 Junior. And I guess this is your thing quite a lot, like a single pickup P90. It's literally my thing. There it is. Yes. Um, oh, that's true. Yeah. Hold on, hold on. Let, let, let's show that to the viewers. Where uh, are you? Yeah. Yeah, the DC, Junior, the DC 60 Junior is literally my thing. It's an SG Junior <laughs> style of guitar, single P90 pickup, single Roswell pickup, that is. And yeah, if you guys watch my channel, you know that I'm a sucker for single pickup guitars, single P90 guitars as well. 
And when I saw this yeah. one was going to be released, I just had to jump on it. Pelham Blue as well, my favorite color pretty much. Well, blue guitars. For the price, it's it's so much fun. I've done a video already, mm. so if you guys want to watch it, and Vlad is kind enough to put the link in the description, you guys Absolutely. can go and check it out. But Absolutely. it does exactly what you would expect it to do. I mean, it's a bit rough and ready. I mean, it's 199 euros, and you can't expect perfection for that price. You know, sure. There's a couple of build things on it where I thought, oh, okay, I'll live with that. There's like a smudge of finish where it shouldn't be. Um, I can also show you maybe here. I don't know if you'll be yeah. able to see it, but there's close-up pics in my video. You can see where the guys have. Um, oh, it's really hard to turn a guitar towards a camera when you're on camera. Um, True. These bridge pins here, they've been twisted by a person to optimize the height, and you can see that they've kind of used a metal tool to do that and it's cut into the metal there so it's a bit ugly you can't yeah. quite see it here but on my channel there's a close-up image of that as well mm. yeah, but a, a couple of little things but apart from that it's so much fun it came set up really well you know this guitar wasn't set up by anyone specially for me or anything like that i literally bought it like mm. a like a normal person would and it's just an awful lot of fun it will better benefit from a setup as well but for 199 euros i mean Crazy, crazy value for money. Harley Benton as well, just coming out with so many different designs and body shapes and yeah. original and also homage instruments. And I mean, what you get for the money is just awesome. I mean, recently we talked about the Aeolus, which is twice the price of this one and has so much for the money. But this one, it's if you're looking for something like this and you've got two or three hundred euros to spare, then no brainer as it was for me. Yeah. Yeah, the only thing I'm starting to think of like is with these guitars and <clears throat> for example the bass I just ordered yesterday like uh I'm actually taking into account the price of like a proper setup I'll, I'll probably take it to a luthier right away to have like fret ends rounded up and stuff like that and just make sure that they're level and things like that but with some of the prices you're paying for, like Harley Benton's or, in my case, a Sterling base, like, they're so affordable that when you add up, like, I don't know, in Finland, I'd say with 100 euros, you'll get, like, a really good setup already for your instrument, maybe even in including the strings. So, yeah, for three, 400 euros, uh, or maybe in Harley Benton's case, like, 300-ish euros, you'll get it great guitar which is also like a fun mod platform in the future if you want to upgrade it yeah exactly and i think it's also the kind of guitar that you could take on stage or to a gig or to a rehearsal studio without kind of feeling scared that it might get damaged or if you drop it or spill beer on it or whatever it's going to be a problem I mean, I know that it's better not to do that kind of stuff, but if you're worried about taking a Gibson or even an Epiphone or something out and playing it and risking getting it damaged or stolen, maybe, then the Harley Benton is going to cover that for you. And like you say, budget yeah. in a setup from the from the new price and you're laughing, really. This one definitely will get a setup, but it was good enough out the box that I have been enjoying it since then. No problems. Yeah. Yeah hoping to try this one out at some point uh and i don't feel like model, oh, by the way. that's cool oh, that's true yeah that that's fairly rare even like in budget friendly guitar range so that's cool lefties 
they remembered you as well. Yeah, that's good. I'm not sure how many of the Squire paranormal guitars, for example, are available as left-handers. I mean, I'm assuming mm, they have. I'm not sure if they. But I'm not sure that there's yeah. any, to be honest with you. Yeah, could and be. that's a real shame. And luckily, both of us are right-handed. But I know a few left-handed players, and it's it's doubly frustrating for them because even when they do often get the chance to have one guitar from a new range, it'll be in the most kind of plain finish possible so they'll get like a maybe a boring sunburst version of something and they won't yeah. have the same options as right-handers and they'll often have to pay more as well for the benefit of oh, having yeah, a left-handed instrument yeah but these hb yeah. ones they're the same price in lefty as well so well done to harley benton for getting that right yeah definitely uh moving on to the next one boss released something uh, uh rather interesting the boss, how do you pronounce that? Eurus? I'm going with Eurus, okay. yeah. Yeah. Uh, a synthesizer guitar, basically. Like, it's a guitar with a built in synth engine, I guess. Uh, I'm not sure. Like, I, I think you can use this as a normal guitar, but then there's a bunch of synth stuff in it as well that you can control from the guitar and then you can also get like a wireless expression control thingy. Uh, yep. Yeah, there's a synth engine built in in that guitar and then you can I control find this with an I incredibly interesting. Yeah. And does it remind you of anything that we may or may not have discussed <laughs> in previous weeks? Yeah, it definitely reminds that one certain Moore guitar we were talking about, which, by the way, has popped up on a bunch of YouTube channels now uh, since we actually talked about that. But, yeah, this looks interesting. Like, quality-wise, it's a made-in-Japan guitar. Like, that's going to be very high quality already. Yeah, if you look at and the specs really... and if yeah. you look at the price, this is, yeah, a professional level and specification instrument so you've got yeah the um it's a maple neck with an indian rosewood board 24 jumbo frets and an older body so we're looking at a decent japanese stratocaster type guitar and then you bung in all the synthesizer stuff all the electronics as well and you're looking at an instrument that will retail for two thousand two hundred dollars which is mm. a hefty chunk of change for anybody i would say and when yep, you consider that the mua Guitar, for example, is about what's that about 500? It's yeah, gonna be very interesting to see. Price is still a bit vague on that one, or at least I don't remember seeing any prices. Yeah, yet. so it's going to be very interesting to see who goes for either of these two guitars, what kind of player they're aiming at. I mean, yeah, how big can the market be for someone who wants a guitar like this? Maybe I it's going to be no massive, idea. but I kind of feel like it's a niche and i mean boss fairly yeah. recently came out with a couple of really good synthesizer pedals the sy1 for example which do a lot of synthesizer sounds that you can make on your normal guitar so it's like mm. an instrument like this i'm not going to say it's a novelty or a gimmick or anything but it it kind of feels like a cool you know car brands make amazing prototype <laughs> custom yeah. cars that you see at the shows but never get on the road it kind of feels a bit like that for me at the moment. Yeah, who and knows? I feel maybe like this is just. Yeah. 
Yeah, go ahead. I feel like there's definitely something in it that Moore have come out with one just a couple of months before. There's obviously some kind of synth guitar race going on there. Mm. I guess uh, these companies feel this is like the next evolutionary step for the guitar. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Don't know. But yeah, the timing is kind of interesting. Like, it doesn't feel like a coincidence that the Moore came out with this as well. Just like a few weeks before this one. I even see yeah, some kind uh, of similarities in the headstock, the way they've both mm, kind of done the logos and moved a little bit away from their own traditional branding, you know? Yeah. It, it feels like they're both <clears throat> really trying to open a, a separate market segment for themselves alongside the other things that they do. And hmm. I'm really interested to see if these are going to take on. And again, really interested to try one in person, but I have no idea when these are going to come to Europe and when we're going to get the chance to try them out. Yep. Is this I something mean, that you would consider buying? I mean, I know you've recently been making some very successful steps into the the world of synth core or whatever the genre is called. <laughs> synth, synth core. <laughs> is it synth core? Synth core. My, my, uh, synth wave is probably the. <laughs> synth wave. Sorry. I just thought like, and I'm, I'm actually interested if now I'm interested if there's a genre called synth core. Most, most likely there is, but like. It's like I'm sure a there heavy is. downbeat with synths. <laughs> I like that yeah, idea already. I mean, why not? I mean, th you know, there are bands like, uh, are you familiar with Enter Shikari? Uh, yeah, somewhat at yeah. least. So there are bands who mix, you know, hardcore metal music with synthesizer sounds and blast beats sure. and stuff like that. That's, that's synthcore. Maybe that's who this guitar is aimed at. I don't know. Oh, Anybody watching true. this, perhaps you can write in the comments, who is this guitar aimed at and would you consider buying one? Because I'm really mm. interested to find out who the target audience is for this guitar. Yeah, exactly. And like, I'm also thinking like, uh, this could be like uh, the most high quality guitar out of all of this. Like uh, Line 6 has the Variax guitar, for example, which mm -hmm. also allows you like, you can change, like go for like different tunings and stuff like that on it via like uh, Helix, for example. And I know like Rabia uses that live with uh, Leo's band, for example, Frogly band, for example, yep. because they do covers in very various tunings and he can use just one guitar, which is kind of cool. Uh, maybe they can expand this to those kind of things as well. And having like a made in Japan instrument that does that would be kind of cool. Uh, at least if you're playing live. If you're recording, I would still probably use separate guitars, but... I don't know. I'd love to try one out. That's all I'm going to say right now. Looks yeah, interesting. I, I mean, I suppose what this guitar gives <coughs> someone like me, maybe a more traditional player who's not really into synths that much, it mm. gives me the option to go on stage with a guitar that looks and feels like a good instrument and I can make that yeah. guitar sound like any other instrument, basically. I guess if I needed a guitar with a, a saxophone break in it, you know, or some <laughs> other instrument playing the lead melody i could do that on this instrument and in a live yeah. context that would be good enough quality to to perform it and not have people complain hmm. maybe yeah i think so looks interesting can't wait to try one out if 
that will actually ever happen. Not sure. Maybe this will be something that you can just buy from Japan or something. Or maybe they will like really push it into the market. Hard to tell, to be honest. But hey, Nam next year, if it happens, that guitar will be there and we'll have to go and check it out. Yeah. Speaking of that, like let's let's take a like a sidestep. Do you think a well a Nam twenty twenty is it going to happen and B would you consider going there? Okay, so to answer B first, absolutely. I would absolutely consider <laughs> going to the NAM show. I would love to go as well. I can't wait to go again. And I think you know, I work on the industry side, so I've represented brands who go there to exhibit sure. and do business as well. And the industry absolutely can't wait to get going again. It really needs that show because it's so important, even in a psychological sense, for for the B2B and the B2C world. So I'm absolutely prepared and ready to go when it comes to thinking about getting on a plane and how safe it is with you know COVID and what's going on in that sense. I'm still not sure. Will the NAM show happen? Question A. That is a more difficult one to answer. And as the year continues, we're now in August. It's kind of... I never had any doubts that NAM would happen next year up until about now. And I'm starting to think, mm. well, we've got August, September, October, November, December. Like, It's less than half a year now till the show should take place. And we're still so unsure of you know, what we can do within Europe. Is it going to be possible for us to go? I just don't know. I still have hope i'm still positive it's going to happen and i feel like it's more likely than not that it will happen because i also know that you know nam themselves and everyone involved in the show is doing absolutely everything to make sure that the show can happen so if there is any chance that it can happen it will but you know we have another winter to navigate first as well and if it gets worse yeah. again with covid then it might not. And that would be yeah. a huge problem for many people in the industry on every side, I would say. So I really hope it happens. What, what do you think? Uh, I have mixed feelings about it because uh, I would love to go. But yeah, as you mentioned, like it's very hard to predict what the whole COVID situation will be, how safe it will feel to travel stuff like that that's one uh then there's there's also the thing where uh i kind of would have to start uh, arranging the sponsorship thing now now would be like a perfect time to start yeah. doing that uh but like right now my and obviously also there's a thing where i don't i don't actually know if i've announced anything like this about this or anywhere yet but uh there will be a fourth member in our family in like mid-october or so so we're having a baby and we just don't know like it's hard to predict like if the new baby will be as like chill as my three-year-old was when she was born like i'll be more than happy to travel like they had a nice chill time while i was away but you never know so that's one and also just like uh what's the covid situation here in finland what are the travel restrictions uh all kinds of stuff like that so uh right now my plan at least is 
to start like asking around uh, for possible sponsorships and kind of build in like some sort of backup. So like if I, for whatever reason, can go uh, and obviously like I would have to get the money before I can book tickets and stuff like that, because going from Finland to Nam plus all the hotels and stuff, you need at least 2000 euros to pay for that. Yeah, that's like, it's an expensive that, trip. That, that, yeah, that, that's minimum. So like uh, I need to be, have like some sort of backup where like if I can't go, I don't have to return the money because at that point I would have probably bought plane tickets and like had the basically like cancellation option in within those tickets again, which again costs money. I My guess would be like same might apply to the hotel as well. And like, yeah need to discuss with a bunch of friendly companies and ask around what they think. Yeah, it's I'd a love really to go, tricky but situation. Yeah, so much uncertainty that it's a bit difficult. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's also an issue for brands who are considering yeah. going as well, especially people from, you know, other parts of the world, not from North America. And I think I'm free to talk about this on my uh, from my company's perspective as well, because we're not making any secret of it. I mean, obviously, Blue Guitar has the Ampex amp, which is coming up, and mm. we have been talking about NAM as a launching point for that. So it's an important show in that way. But again, it's like you know the the idea of booking plane tickets and accommodation for you know three, four, five guys, however many of us are going to go. And actually, we have booked most of it already because we're so convinced and so positive about it happening but we've made sure that we've booked everything kind of as, you know, cancelable, refundable tickets. Mm. So plane tickets and the accommodation, for example, if it doesn't happen, we'll pay a small fee for that. We'll lose that, but we won't lose the whole of the money. So that's maybe another way of thinking about it. But for guys like you, independent content creators who don't have that kind of company thing going on, it's much more difficult. So mm. I feel with you in that context. It's going to be tricky. I mean, again, I, I just really hope the show can happen because it will be a really positive step for the industry if it can happen. And obviously, if it can happen, the world will be in a better place too. So that's great as well. But if it can't, mm. we'll just have to see how we can handle it. But finally, and most importantly, congratulations on the addition or the upcoming <laughs> addition to your family. I mean, I knew about it because we've discussed it off camera, of course, yeah. but for everyone watching, they didn't know, and it's going to be amazing. Soon you'll be able to have a band exclusively made up of members of the family. That's true. That's exciting. true. That's that's a dream. Like, my, my daughter has been into drums since I got the drum set. Like, she basically plays, like, two or three times a day like she already knows how to turn them on she puts the headphones on and then she knows how to scroll through different songs within the drum set that she can play to and it, it's fun to follow like she's been really excited about those so i think we have a drummer uh my wife is an okay guitar player she can also do a little bit of bass so yeah the band is coming along together uh in five to six years we will annoy all of our relatives at every single like family parties because we always will want to perform even though nobody asked us to so that's the plan <laughs> that's gonna be amazing you will be called halinen and you will be the finnish hansen that's and true that's true i that's look forward goal. to observing that ride from from the other <laughs> side of the camera awesome uh 
getting back to the gear news. Uh, yes. Uh, which one we had? We had the KMA Audio Machines Guardian of the v- ver- Verm? Verm? Help. Uh, something like that. I think that's I'm going to go with Worm. That one. Worm, yeah. Uh, it has like a the worm on it. That's true. There's a trend of like the Boss HM2, the heavy metal one, like which was available for a little while in the late 80s, early 90s, something like that. Like Boss has uh, really re-released that as a Waza edition and now KMA Audio Machines also came out with their like very very cool looking and way more versatile and more complicated version of the pedal as well. <laughs> it looks amazing. And I'm still not sure if I understand it completely. <laughs> but yeah, it's yeah, it it looks like uh like a steroid version of the HM2 was a crap. <laughs> With cool graphics. There's like a graphic EQ and three clipping circuits and a noise gate and you can select it to be like pre or post distortion and uh what else there's also an effects loop in it and yeah basically it's like every other kma audio machine pedal where there's like so many things in them so you're like getting a lot of value for the money and a lot to discover as well uh Although I still don't know if like the HM2 sound is for me, but I could see some people absolutely loving this. This is definitely something I feel you should try out because you're a connoisseur <laughs> of overdrive and distortion pedals and also a rather large fan of KMA as well. I definitely yes. feel like you need to try this Guardian of the Worm out. Tell me, was there an original pedal from KMA called the Worm? And is this like a deluxe yes. version of the worm? Yeah, they ha- they have one which goes for that HM2 sound. So okay, yeah. interesting. It's a natural continuation. First of all, I thought like it was a blend of two of their pedals, but yeah, it's just like a kind of a deluxe version of that. Uh, so I guess pedal. the question is, if you've got an HM2, or if you like the HM2 sound. Why should you buy something like this over the original? And that that doesn't mm. necessarily just apply to this pedal and the HM2, but it could apply to many, many boutique overdrive pedals that are kind of, you know, taking their homage mm. from a boss pedal. Why would you uh, buy this over ge- a boss? My guess would be like this is actually more usable. <laughs> and I, I mean that in a way like... <laughs> That the HM2, like the original one, it was just that there's a there's one sound that you basically use to turn. I think you turn the gain on and something else like fully on, and that's the sound. That's it. People refer to it as the chainsaw tone, don't they? Yes, exactly. So it was like a one trick pony. I'm guessing the Waza version has. I think I saw Colin's video on it. Like it has a little bit more of stuff going on. But it's still like a compact pedal with fairly limited controls and stuff like that. Whereas this yeah. has everything. There's a high control, <laughs> high mid, high low, low control. You can even select the frequency, the low and the high controls actually control. Or like 
So there's a four band EQ and you can tweak the frequency the EQ is actually changing. So that's actually pretty damn cool. It's a pretty flexible pedal, that's for sure. Yeah, so those features yeah. make it more flexible than the original, I guess, more kind of manageable in a way, because I yeah. think the HM2 is a bit like the metal zone in some ways. That yeah, it's kind definitely. of you, you have a couple of amazing sounds and the rest of it is kind of not really useful in many ways. So you've got that here, you've got many more tones, you've got an extra switch. Have you got two channels mm. or a, a boost on there as well? And yeah, I mean, I assume this is true bypass as well, and it's been made to extremely high quality levels, like all the KMA ones in Germany. So yeah, the, those would be the advantages, I guess. I'm also trying to see what it has like, there's the effects, but what is the one thing? Uh, it's one more like input. Uh, oh, and it has a noise gate. Yeah, which is also good. Exactly. Yeah, this is like the uh, <laughs> usable version of the, the usable HM2. That's how they should market yeah. it. No, I mean I've never actually played an HM2, so I, I don't Me know. Neither. You know what they're like, so I can't comment in that way. But this is another pedal where it's it's been designed in such a way it looks very kind of high quality. It, I would uh, like to play it. I'm not much of a metal yeah. player, but. I would like to give this one a go. Pair this with one of those paranormal baritone tellies. That could be cool. <laughs> like, even if you didn't do, do, do you reckon metal, the P90s could handle it? Not sure, but I would like to try. <laughs> <laughs> That's something like for later the first, in the year, then. Yeah, like, it might be just that you turn the pedal on and then you all you hear, hear is, like, squeal. It's, yeah, it's exactly. very possible, but... You never know. No, but hey, you've got a noise cool. gate on this pedal, and it might be absolutely fine. Who knows? That's yeah. something you need to try. And there's actually a blend control, and I, well, I'm, I'm trying to read while I also talk, and like I'm trying to find like what is it actually blending? Uh, oh, you can actually add some unprocessed signal with that blend control, so you could have like fifty-fifty, uh, like. Yeah. Interesting. That could actually create cool sounds as well. Because I can I can yeah. sense your wallet in your back pocket starting to get a bit worried <laughs> and nervous. It's kind of like, uh oh. Because uh, I, I bet yeah. this costs considerably more than an HM two. Yeah, two hundred and ninety nine euros in European prices, which is for a pedal like that, made to these quality conditions kind of the norm these days, I think. Well, 299 yep. is kind of more than the norm, but, you know. It's a bit more... It's a buyer's I market. Guess. That's what they all say. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it's uh, 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 it's one of those pedals where some people will absolutely love it. And I, like, I feel KMA is positioning themselves in a way where it's like they're not tr trying to build a pedal for everyone. Instead of like they're trying to... like. There's like certain amount of people will, who will absolutely love it, and I think you can make a nice living doing that instead of trying to build another transparent overdrive. Oh, I'd love Just another say. transparent overdrive, though. I don't know it <laughs> but yeah, I mean KMA—they totally have their own niche going on. Everything from the way their pedals feel 
you know, because I've touched a lot of them, yeah. <laughs> which might sound weird, <laughs> but I have. I I've touched a lot of KMA, KMA pedals. I've used a lot. You know, they've been at shows like 42 Gear Street where they had a great board. And I've heard many, many clips in person and from mm. guys like you on YouTube. And they have their own thing going on. And it's kind of, you know, it's it's not generic in any way. They're, they're unique to themselves. And I think Enrico, the guy behind KMA, has his own kind of personal vision and does exactly what he wants to do. And yeah, sure, this is yeah. an HM2-inspired pedal, but it's done in the KMA way. So you're totally right. Yeah. I don't think... Well, I don't know, but I don't feel like KMA is trying to become one of the world's biggest pedal makers. They're not trying to compete with Boss. They're not trying to compete with TC Electronic or anything like that. They're doing their own mm. thing to the best of their abilities, and they're carving out their own sort of super cool niche within the pedal world. So more power to them. I like it. Again, yeah, another exactly. pedal I'd like to try. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sometime. Uh Oh, I'm just looking at our three next topics, and we are heavily diving into Epiphone slash Gibson talk next, Yay. because... <laughs> Yay. <laughs> <laughs> the next one was like, I didn't think I would be excited, but I am actually excited, because Slash has unveiled like an Epiphone collection, so there's like a bunch of different Ep Slash Epiphones with the new headstock, with some great specs as well. Look at the guy sitting in front of, like, in front of his Marshalls and Gibson and Epiphone guitars. Yeah. Again, I saw an Anders video, and I didn't think I could get excited about a Les Paul, but I kind of did. So. Yeah. I mean, look at that picture. Slash is an icon. Whether yeah, you whether you like true. him and his music or not, he's really kind of defines what Les Paul playing and players alike. And yep, I mean, there's been a lot of talk over the years about slash signature models. There are already so many slash signature models, <laughs> but it was about time that he got an Epiphone Les Paul run going. I think there have been previous ones. There was a slashes snake pit model, I think, in like Vermilion oh, Red or yes, something like that uh... with the zebra humbuckers. But now we've got kind of the classics. And yeah. we've got guitars that look like his famous Les Paul type guitar. Because mm. am I right in saying that his original Les Paul is not even a Gibson? No, it's not. It was made by like a local luthier. Somehow yeah. It was like a Gibson copy. Yeah. So anyway, we've like, got yeah. affordable versions finally, you know, with the right headstock of this guitar. And they look great and... <laughs> They cost quite a lot of yeah. money for Epiphone models, True. but I assume they will sell by the truckload. Yeah, it's still way, way cheaper than like a eight ninety nine. Yeah, I think if they come with like a case as well as like for example, Jared James Nichols, James Nichols one, I think also comes with a case. And who else? Who someone else also got an Epiphone signature? We talked about. That person as well. Well, I forgot right now. But yeah, they actually like good have good specs as well, like mahogany bodies, like this see-through tops, uh Locktone Tunematic Bridge, Graftech Knot, uh Epiphone Custom Pro Buckers, which I've learned are pretty good, and there's like orange drop capacitors and CTS pots, so like good hardware as well. 
I think these are still worth the money and like a bunch of guys who are like Epiphone artists actually play their Epiphones live as well like Jesse James Nichols uh, what's his name Matt Heafy from Trivium for example he's yeah. really well known for his Epiphones as well and he actually plays them all the time stuff like yeah, that yeah that's so. great that's great I'm not sure we will ever see Slash playing his Epiphone. I was just about to say. <laughs> you never know. It's kind of the same with Joe Bonamassa because those guys have such yeah. huge collections of the original guitars. Yeah. It's like they just play those instead. You know, you know. the one thing that I'm not too happy about with these guitars is what I've read in other places online, and that's that they cost about 900 euros here in Europe, and that's a mm. lot of money for an Epiphone, sure. You're getting sure. great specs, but they're actually very close in specification to the current top-of-the-range Epiphone inspired by 1959 Les Paul, for example. And so ah, effectively I you're see. paying 100, 150, 200 bucks more just for the Slash signature. And is that fair? True. And I guess, you know, for 900 euros, I feel like it would have been possible to put a different pickup in there. Not just yeah. not just an Epiphone humbucker. I mean, Epiphone pickups are great. I've got some really good ones. I love the ones in my Les Paul Traditional Pro, but you kind of feel like they could have done a bit more for 900. The Jared James Nichols guitar, for example, has a Seymour Duncan P90 in it. Mm. And for 900, I feel like they could have gone there. Yeah. The Gear News article we're looking at actually says, like, <laughs> it feels like there's like a slash tax... <laughs> in there somewhere. <laughs> slash tax. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Slash tax. Yeah, slash I, tax. yeah. I, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, eight ninety nine isn't cheap, and there's a lot of options in that price range already. I think you might be able to get like a heritage or some like some brand that also has like a Les Paul type of guitar for that money as well. And that those are great. Uh, haven't tried any of these Epiphones. So, don't know. I'm assuming the quality is pretty good. Also, I've heard. Okay. They should be. Oh, like what, are the, what are the fingerboards yeah. made of? Are they ebony boards or are they like uh, laurel fretboards? Let's see. That's again just another personal bugbear of mine. If they're not, uh, if they're not uh, ebony, let's read those they specs. Do not say actually. Click on one of the product links down below, and we'll see. Buy now. I'm not going to buy it, but... So it's a mahogany uh, body, triple A graded flame maple veneer, mahogany neck. As the neck is a slash custom C-shape. The fretboard is laurel. There you go. So 900 euros and you're not getting uh, rosewood or ebony on the board. Yeah. Again, I understand why that's been done in the current day and age, but it's something I would prefer not to have. You know, my... Mm. Um, my 2014 Epiphone Les Paul Traditional Pro has a beautiful rosewood board, which is still a joy to play. And that costs 330 euros new seven years ago <laughs> wow. with a hard case. I mean, wow, we haven't had that yeah, much that's... inflation since then. Uh, we've just had the slash tax. Yeah, I was just about to say it's the slash tax. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, I mean, but so yeah, those I'm... are the Les Pauls. There's also acoustic models as well, which I find yeah. quite interesting, quite cool. I mean, I don't really associate Slash with acoustic guitar whatsoever. Do you? I mean, are there any famous no. Guns N' Roses songs on acoustic? 
I'm not really a Guns N' Roses person. Apologies to anyone uh, if you're offended by that. I, g- <laughs> I guess he has played those, like, oh, acoustic guitars. Some of the songs, like, uh, there are a few songs from the, the band's range where, like, acoustic is very present. I'm guessing Slash is playing those there. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I don't know. They look nice. That's all I yeah, can two, say. Two J forty five models. They look really, really classy. Yeah. Again, you're going to be paying a slash tax over standard models, but if you want Seems to so. associate with slash and many, many guitarists too, then great. And we alluded to it earlier in the show, but this is another example for me of brands like Epiphone really going after doing something a bit different. I mean, I know mm. Slash is super old school and very cliched in the world of guitar, but this is a, a kind of model and an amount of options that weren't available before. So kudos to Epiphone for doing that finally. Yeah, definitely. And like, I still like the fact that uh, none of these guitars are such that like uh, when a random person would see you play one, they would go, like, oh, that's Slash's guitar. How embarrassing. Oh, how cool. Like... <laughs> Nice Les Pauls and nice uh, J45 acoustics uh, that are also Slash signature instruments. I like that. So, like, they're a bit more neutral, I guess. Yeah. And I have to say, with the Les Pauls, none of the color options are such that I, like, immediately would like to get one. I like the green one on the left. What's the name of that finish? Mm. Is that Anaconda Burst? I don't know. Yes. <laughs> they, all, they all have slash-related names, don't they? Yes. Anaconda, the burst, Anaconda burst, November Burst, the... Appetite Burst, <laughs> Metallic Gold, and Les Paul Vermilion Burst. Yeah, for me, it would be yeah. Anaconda Burst. Can you click on the yeah. product page again? Because I really want to see if there is a case included for that price. Oh, that's true. Let's go there. Including I case, like... it says at the bottom. So there you go. The back of the guitar looks really nice in the Thurman product shot. Yeah, really dark, sort of mahogany yeah. stain. It looks really classy. But look at the pictures of the fingerboard there. And again, it's it's a taste thing and it's a psychological thing. But yeah. if you guys are looking at this and not listening, that laurel board looks so dry just in that product image to me. True. It doesn't look high quality at all. Yeah. I know I'm That's biased true. against it's laurel, but brutal. still, if you're looking at this, just... Tell me you would not want to just oil that straight away. I was just trying to say, like, you can almost dye it as well if you want to. Yeah. 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 It does come with a nice looking case. Yep. Good case with the slash logo. Very nice. Yeah. Eight ninety nine for me, I would get like a twenty four percent discount because I can buy it without VAT, but it's still quite a lot of money. So yeah, yeah, that is a fair amount. And they're already in stores. So there's yeah, going to be videos cool. popping up online soon. So I'm interested to see how these turn out. Yeah, definitely. Uh, speaking of Gibson, <laughs> a certain Kirk Hammett has joined the Gibson. The Gibson. Uh, which is weird because apparently he's still somehow associated with ESP or is he leaving ESP? Because I, I think I, when the news broke out, I kind of 
like I thought he would still stay with ESP, but all yeah, Kirk also stated by Instagram that he is staying with ESP, but he's yeah, also exactly, with so. That yeah, makes so, sense. I guess. I don't know. Weird. I'm not sure, but I mean, yeah, Kirk Hammett is very closely associated with ESP. He's had signature instruments and played them for so long. Um, yeah. And now suddenly there is a Gibson collaboration coming. And this is an exciting collab for me because I think Kirk has a very old Gibson Flying V that he's been seen playing on mm. occasion and they're building a version of that. And obviously he also owns the 1959 Greeny Les Paul. Oh, and they've made true. him a custom shop version of that. So presumably there will be very limited edition, very, very expensive Kirk Hammett signature editions coming from Gibson. Mm. And the fact that he's doing that alongside staying at ESP is is kind of cool. I'm glad that he doesn't have to be exclusive, but I don't yeah. think we're going to see guitars which are going to be kind of on the more affordable side of things. Yeah. Can you uh, imagine actually, them doing an Epiphone version? Gibson says Maybe there will, will be a Hammett signature Gibson and Epiphone guitars. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, indeed. Uh, yeah, uh, I think Kirk Hammett is one of those uh, guitar players that he's in a position where he probably commands the terms and sounds like he appreciates the collaboration with ESP, so he's like, but also likes the Gibsons. And there's like a nice photo of him playing a Gibson guitar anyway. Uh, where was it? Oh, like a, yeah. I, I remember seeing him playing Gibsons a lot, so it, it's not like a surprise that this is happening. Yeah. But, but it's very interesting that uh, Epiphone have just come out with Slash and now Gibson comes out with Kirk Hammett. We're kind of seeing a bit mm. of a, a revitalization of those brands with some of the older rock stars. And in Epiphone's case, also a bunch of slightly younger people. So it's it's yeah. a cool time. It's an interesting time for them. Don't forget, they've also got a signature Rick Beato, Les Paul, That's coming true. out very I, soon. Yeah, I think he posted very recently that he actually received the final production model. So what did I just get? My FedEx thing will be delivered soon. So I think that's that's probably the base I ordered. But yep, yeah, uh, so the Rick Beata one will be out soon-ish. These, uh, I would love to get excited, but there's also like, if we move on to the next thing, there's, there's also the other side of Gibson, which is the lawsuit side of Gibson. And yes, exactly. Ah, uh, sorry, did the microphone pick up me sighing in despair? Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, more legal action in the guitar world. It seems to be oh, happening man. with in increasing regularity. And yeah. yeah, I mean, whether or not either company here is in the right or the wrong, it's just kind of like, it's no surprise to see Gibson embroiled in another legal action case. And in this case, what we've got is a small pedal company, Mojo Hand, who have built a pedal called the Maestro. It's a flanger, I believe. Sorry, it's a Mr. O. It's a phase shifter. Yes, exactly. I got all my information <laughs> wrong. <laughs> so they made a pedal. 
that Gibson say looks similar to their Maestro mark and looks very similar to an older Gibson pedal, the Maestro phase shifter. And you can clearly see that the Mojo hand pedal has taken some inspiration from it, but I don't know. I mean, on the one hand, (laughs) legally, you know, Gibson has a trademark, and if you don't defend your trademarks, you lose them. On the other hand, Mm. does it have to be like this? I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question. It's also like, uh, there's also, um, where did I see it? I think there was a, yeah. Uh, I mean, Mojo Hand Effects even went with the uh, like similar logo as well. Like, yeah, the fonts might not be like exactly the same, but they're fairly close. I guess... The question would all, always be like, would anyone confuse the two, like the Gibson old pedal that you can see here and the Mojo hand effects, Mr. O? Uh, probably not, but again, I guess compared to some other legal cases we've discussed here, like I kind of feel Gibson has a bit of point, and as you mentioned, if you don't defend your trademarks, you're going to lose them. Uh, so maybe, maybe it's just that it's uh, like I find a bit difficult taking strong sides here because yeah, kind mean, of there's a little bit going on, but yeah, definitely. But yeah, it's it's become like a new trend that companies publicize these things these days, and yeah. again, regardless of what's going on behind the scenes with the lawyers this doesn't make gibson look good because they're the ones taking the action you know and you can see in the article that we're we're linking to that vlad's showing now that there's a bunch of very negative comments aimed at gibson again whether that's right or wrong is something for the lawyers to decide but it's definitely an exercise in public relations which is not going to end well for them we saw it recently Mm. in a case with origin effects and another smaller builder where similar things were going on. And yeah, generally the bigger of the two companies involved in the case tends to get very bad PR from it. So that's the thing I like Gibson already has that reputation and this just feeds into that narrative even more. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Gibson (laughs) have been very happy to go after people in recent years. We have the, Mm. the infamous video with Mark Agnesi where he's, telling people that (laughs) we're coming for you effectively that whole disaster from their side and yeah yeah, just it it doesn't do anything to enamor them to new people you know it's just yeah you know what we should do i'm not a lawyer you're not a lawyer but we should get a guest on who is a lawyer i know there's a couple of youtubers who are in that world so steve from boston or lewis the tone king we could get one of them on and yeah. ask them to tell us about it from their perspective, maybe. I think That's that'd be true. quite we, interesting. Yeah, maybe I'm we can invite Mark Agnesi on as well. <laughs> Imagine if he actually shows up. That would be a fun show. You it would be know. so embarrassing if he actually showed up. But if we were to get him on and then get the dudes from Mojo Hand Effects on as well at the same time, perhaps they could kiss and make up on our podcast and then the world yeah. would be fine. Everyone would be happy and more people would watch and listen to our podcast. That's true. But and yeah, we definitely need to, 
need to get one of our friends on the show because like this one is tough like this this one isn't the same as some of the other ones like uh, Gibson suing who did they try to sue Kramer or something like that many uh, companies <laughs> yeah also like uh, in Gibson's like this is all very US based because uh, for example like I didn't realize uh, until very recently that uh, for example like guitar body design isn't trademarked in EU I think so you can build so you, technically you could build exactly like Fender looking guitar bodies and you'll be fine uh, yeah. unless you call them yeah, Fenders with, yeah with Fender it's only the headstock that you can't yeah. do but the body shapes are fair game whereas yeah with gibson it's a slightly different story and gibson will go after any company mm. who does the les paul shape for example or the flying v shape or the explorer or the sg and yeah a lot of the yeah. legal distinction comes from the horns i can just pull my harley benton dc60 junior back to show this if you look at the two horns there you can see that the the top one here is much bigger it's much yeah. less symmetrical than a, a Gibson or Epiphone SG would be. And that's how companies get around the body shape. So you can obviously see that mm. this guitar is supposed to look like an SG or an SG Junior, mm. but it's legally distinct in that way. Fender <laughs> can't, for some reason, go after companies for doing the same thing. But when it comes to headstocks, it's a different matter. Yeah. True. But yeah, we'll be following this case as well, and we'll see what happens. Uh Again, bad PR for Gibson. Uh, I had completely forgotten. On the like, on the other hand, I had completely forgotten a company like Mojo Hand Effects exists. So maybe this will be a win for them in the long run. Yeah, loads of publicity <laughs> for them for sure. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's time to jump to the last piece of news, which is Volo Guitars unveils new Oz and Vasti. Vasti? I think that's how they go models Masty. and we're looking yep. at the gear gods article and yeah basically i think you you had just alan who's a vola uh artist and like some sort of social media guy type of thing i'm not sure what his actual title is but he i think that, that's uh, his official your, title exactly some sort of social uh, media guy i saw it on his badge <laughs> at a trade show <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, but yeah, he explained that basically like all of these models now come with a very much improved... Oh, there weren't, weren't actually like more pictures of this. Uh, maybe I should jump to like a Vola guitar. Uh, why did it jump to artists? Uh, yeah, if we take a look at the guitars themselves, like... I wonder, they maybe, maybe it's because if you click on the artist page, you're on it. So it's like... <laughs> I was trying not You've to say that. You've deliberately done that to make people look at your Volar Artist page. Please don't. But yeah, basically like the Oz I have over there, and I can actually pull that out uh, in a second. But like if you look at the neck joint, that's very different from this. Just a second. I'm going for podcast listeners. I'm going to get my guitar in a second. Yeah, so it's it's also pretty interesting to see just how many new Vola models have appeared. I mean, we recently had the two Joss signature ones, and now these two. But yeah, just looking at the guitar that you're holding there, Vlad, and the new one, big differences. 
Yeah, definitely. Like if you look at the neck joint, and actually I can show you the V3 model. So here's mine. You can see right now, and yeah, here's like the a, V3. Yeah, Vlad's model different. is like a Fender Strat kind of neck plate. It's you know four screws yeah. and a metal plate, and the new model here is the much more kind of modern take on it. So there's a yeah. bigger cutaway, and you've got four big screws and no plate. And you see a lot of companies using that kind of neck joint now. It seems to be the way yep. forward. Yeah. Looks very uh, cool. I think it does. It does. Definitely. And uh, I always feel like the prices might have even come down just a little bit. Or maybe I'm just imagining that. But uh, I'm trying to see whether the specs have changed. I'm not sure. But the neck joint has definitely improved. So that's really cool. And yeah, I think the prices have also come down because like the Oz models begin from 199 US dollars and Vola or the They mean the Vasti. Yeah, yeah, Oz and Vasti. <laughs> There's a typo on the Gear Cuts article. <laughs> hey, Trey, fix it. Uh, yeah, I'm going to put the guitar down. But yeah, they, this look Really cool, like small improvement. I like I like that they're not changing the original design, but are like uh, making an improved version. Maybe based on the feedback, or just they decided themselves that hey, let's tweak this. I like that a lot. Yeah, it's good that they're able to do that as well. I mean, you know, there are companies like like Gibson, for example, where it's much more difficult for them to introduce modern innovations. You know, to change the shape yeah. of the the cutaway on the back of the neck, for example. Oh, imagine the average if kind they of... would dare to do that. Yeah, exactly. Imagine, you know, and imagine if they were to bring out a guitar called the Firebird X with built-in computers <laughs> and software that would be a multi-thousand-dollar disaster. But yes, you know, in I'm this crazy alternative world, they never did. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, I mean. I'll... So they might have introduced new colors as well. I don't remember seeing a pink one before. Uh, I think so with Joss involved in the company, I'm not surprised at all to see a, a pink finished guitar because I know sure. he's a big fan of pink. That's kind of like a classy sort of shell pink finish, what we've got mm. there, but it looks very, very nice. Yeah, then there's the jam version as well. So these are Joss's signature ones. These look great as well. Yeah, and I mean, price-wise, uh, where to buy? Like, there's a shop for anyone in Europe, and you can see the prices. I mean, the shell pink one, the OS twenty-two, is one thousand ninety-four euros right now for a Japan-made guitar. That's a steal. That's actually kind a of ridiculous. Euros. Wow. Yes. That is cheap. Well, this uh, 24 fret shredder Oz is also like 1400. Uh, just as guitars are, well, 1600 or so. A seven string one, Quentin Godet, Godet signature, 1700. For Japan made instruments, it's kind of crazy. Maybe this is the, ver is, is this the version two, the pink? No, it's the new one. 1094. What? And free shipping. It's crazy. 
This is a Japan-made guitar. Does it come with a case? Uh, it comes a with bag. a deluxe gig bag. Yeah, wow, I have one of those gig bags. It's one of the better ones, at least. So, not a case, but it's decent. Yeah, that is a very, very good value for money guitar. And I know yeah. it's a very different thing, of course. Hugely different instrument, but... If we compare mm. that with what we've just seen on those Slash signature models for 900, I mean, I know if you yeah. want a Slash type Les Paul, then a pink Super Strat type is not going to be your thing. But <laughs> True. It's very interesting just to go directly from that to this and see the differences in terms of you know value for money versus the specifications you get, etc. It's the Slash tax. Slash tax. Oh. Yeah, I suppose it's, the same model. Comes, if it was a slash model, it'd be a couple of thousand. Yeah, yeah, it comes. It all comes down to the slash tax, unfortunately. I guess. Yeah, also cobra blue gloss is also, uh, well, basically eleven hundred. That's very very impressive. You're getting a killer guitar for the money. And yeah, interesting. Uh, obviously, like everything we say here about Vola, you can take with a grain of salt because I guess you can find me on their artist page. Uh, oh, but... really? Oh, <laughs> shut up! Sorry. Oh, really? <laughs> no, it's it's fine. Uh, it, it it's cool to be associated with Vola. So far, our relationship has been great. So, and actually, like, we'll see if I end up at NAM. Maybe I'll be doing something with Vola there as well. But a lot of things need to be sorted out before that can happen, I'd say. Yep, so, for sure. Wills. We shall see. But yeah, cool guitars. And yeah, a bunch of stuff happened during the summertime. Like, maybe, as you mentioned, maybe it was because, like, there wasn't, like, a proper NAM or anything, like, a place to announce anything. To be honest, because all the summertime pictures I saw looked kind of sad, empty halls, and not yeah. a lot of people. I mean, yeah, not. summer Nam is always like a much smaller event, and mm. very much you know American as opposed to international. But I was a little surprised that it wasn't a bit bigger than it was. But they also had to take care not to make it too over the top, and I think a lot of companies. And a lot of people who would attend are being careful because obviously we're living in crazy times right now. So mm, I think the, the fact that we've seen so many pretty interesting launches of gear over the past four weeks while we've been away is a good sign, though. It proves mm. that companies are still trying to do interesting things. They're still pushing it on people. And there is still an excitement from people out there to buy gear. So that's a good sign. Mm. Because the True. industry could be in much worse shape. Yeah. And things like, I think, music making at home especially has probably absolutely exploded. I've seen a bunch of people yeah. releasing, like, uh, there's been many friends who are like, hey, I finally had the time to release my first song or ever, or finally ha have been able to finish this song after many years and stuff like that. So that's really cool. Yeah, exactly. Like home recording stuff and just <clears throat> gear you know, focused on playing at home. Tube amps that you can plug straight into your computer, for example, they're doing pretty well. Whereas other sides of the industry in which I've worked as well, for example, pro audio, you know, speakers mm. for venues, stuff like that. There's just nothing for them at the moment. So 
Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, I mean, because uh, th there's no gigs, there's no venues, you know, and everyone who works in that part of the world is is under immense stress right now. So, yeah, bad times, yeah, true. but on the gear front, on the guitar and pedal front, I'm happy that things carry on and hopefully there's not going to be any kind of major casualties from this COVID time. Yeah. And don't forget as well, of course, we've even seen recently there was that massive fire at boutique amp distribution so they had that extra awful thing happen and they still seem to be going and they still seem to be pushing mm. things out and fingers crossed things will get back to normal what a crazy what a crazy time yep i feel like so, i'm rambling now <laughs> i mean i get that feeling a lot i mean you had a had a week off or two weeks or whatever and i have four weeks of uh <laughs> i think it's fairly normal to be out of podcasting shape something like that we need to work ourselves into shape podcasting shape and <laughs> i personally feel i need to work myself just in shape altogether so you mean yeah. physical shape yes yeah. maybe always maybe room for well. improvement i guess same for me that's true uh j just a like w weird way to end this but like uh i never thought like I never thought about it before until I started to play drums myself. Like once I got the drum set and I've been playing that a lot over the past few weeks I've had it. Uh, I sweat like crazy. I don't know why. It doesn't feel like, you know, exercise in that sense. Like if you go lifting weights or you go running or something, something like that, uh, you kind of understand why you're sweating. But with drums, when I like stop, I don't feel like physically tired, but I'm sweating like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> It's like a proper exercise in that sense, at least. I don't know. I need to like see if the studies whether drummers actually like burn a lot of calories or not. I have read Convinci about that before, actually. Drummers do burn an awful lot of calories, especially oh, really good, active man. drummers, and especially compared to bass players <laughs> or keyboard players, where you just move two <laughs> hands a little bit. I'm yeah. trying to do this. Yeah. Okay, then it makes sense. I need to well, like study that a little bit because I've been doing like uh, almost every evening like I do like a 30 minute session or something I have a playlist of like 60 songs maybe on my phone and I can play those songs uh, into my drum set and just it's not completely silent but my wife can easily watch like TV shows in the other room without being bothered so it it's quite enough uh, I've been playing a lot and it's sound, starting to sound like actual drumming and not me just dropping the sticks every 20 seconds or so. So that's good. <laughs> Progress. Who knows? Maybe one, of these, maybe one of these days I'll actually do like a drum cover as well. That's the plan. Yeah, that would be exciting to see. I mean, I've seen you do full covers before and now with the drums as well, you've got the whole band, every single instrument. That would be pretty cool. <laughs> I'm a literal one-man band. Yay. <laughs> All right. That wraps up Cat Pick Fridays, episode one, season two. I, I don't know. We need to talk about this naming thing, how to, because I, I like, I also want to keep count of uh, like how many episodes we've done in total, because it will be cool to at some point, like hit a 50 episode milestone. Is it due this year or will be, or will it be like early next year? Not sure. Need to do the math. Well, what number is this one? Twenty-five, or uh, I think so. Maybe it's more. 
something like that, yeah. So not well, yeah. Just, either way, it's going to be around Christmas time, maybe even Nam Show time. Ooh! If we both end up at Nam, we need to do something special with Cat Big Fridays and just try to get as many people on as we can. Because I feel it's a be- this is a way better platform than me just doing random interviews somewhere instead of like sitting someone down for like thirty minutes and ask them a bunch of fun and interesting questions. We'll see. Yeah, I'm totally up for it. As, yeah, I'm it still still trying to wrap my he- head around like non possibility. It feels so distant, I guess. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> I would feel say real, yeah, like, Be positive and yeah. start making plans about what you're going to do, and maybe even contact some of those companies already. And yeah, fingers I'm crossed, going to. it's going to happen. And if it yeah. doesn't happen, then you've still got all the creative plans which you can then use next time or we can do stuff online or whatever yeah exactly all right that wraps up Capic friday's episode some one season two uh i'll check what number we're running maybe we can just say it's a season two but just keep the order or like keep counting the total number of episodes i think that would be fun as well Mm -hmm. something like that As always, links below to everything we talked about in the description, whether you're listening on podcast platforms or on YouTube, and links to Rich's channel and stuff like that in the description as well. There's a bunch of stuff in there, including ways to support what we do, and there's affiliate links, there's a songwriting course as well, and something else that I'm forgetting, maybe not, maybe there is. Uh, links to all the articles, obviously, there, and stuff like that. Uh, we'll work ourselves up to podcasting speed <laughs> at some point thank you so much for watching thank you rich for joining this was fun even though i feel a bit rusty same for me it'll get better as the season goes on exactly it's the season for podcasting something like that all right that will wrap up thank you so much i'm going to cue the outro which is here we shall see you next time no this this is how you can tell I'm rusty. Bye podcast. Bye podcast. <laughs>